0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Indie Football Podcast, your award-nominated, possibly future award-winning, if we get enough votes, uh, favorite football podcast. It is uh, a busy Monday today. A hell of a Sunday yesterday. And of course, that means that on my own, I would be helpless. Instead, I've got Miguel Delaney, the chief football writer of the Independent, alongside me. Miguel, hello. Hello. And I also have Jack Pitbrook. Hi, Ed. Both of those guys were at big games yesterday, as was I. So I think, without further ado, uh, we'll get on to the games. Yeah. The big one, Man United-Chelsea. I think we went into this game, Miguel, saying Antonio Conte's future is in a little bit of doubt. Uh, that the, the internal power play that he tried for in the summer summarily failed. Jose Mourinho coming into this game, trying to catch up with Pep Guardiola. Instead, we get a 1-0 win uh, for Chelsea, which kind of separates the top four a little bit from the rest, actually. Uh, but what were your main takeaways from what was uh, I a... Mean, people said it was an entertaining game. I thought it it burnt slowly, was a bit bitty, but settled by a very good goal, yeah. I
0: thought. Uh, well, the main takeaway is that I think it killed the title race eight points think it's, it's done already Yeah. well there's never there's never been a lead or there's never been a gap between first and second like that uh, since the premier league was founded i'd have to go back looking through the stats which is which sounds like a fun afternoon yeah if, <laughs> I, if I want to go pre- before pre-premier league um i thought once again in a big game you know it actually started well but once again Mourinho's tactics in a match like this were found wanting and functional and basic well we were expecting we were
1: expecting a super defensive mm. look from him in the first 10 minutes there were a surprising amount of chances
0: but then he kind of tightened it up. Yeah, it was like he went for it initially, and then he saw that because because of um, how they were trying to mark under Herrera, they left midfield completely free. Sorry, sorry, Mark Eden Hazard. They left midfield completely free, and Bakayoko was through three times in the first ten minutes, something like that. San Mourinho, of course, reverted, shored up. And then United were caught in some kind of strange halfway house down where they they needed to win, but obviously he didn't want to cough up all his chances. Then, of course, once again, the one creative player, Mkhitaryan, was a sacrifice, although... To be fair, he's not playing well. But that, in a system, doesn't really suit him. Fair and, 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 of... But then, uh, having gone behind after, after that defence was kind of typically a hole open from for Rada, the response mm-hmm. was just stick Fellaini up there and boot balls towards him. And, like, you have to offer a bit more. But, to be fair, we shouldn't overlook Chelsea because I think once again this season, just when it looked like they're going to have a 2015-16 campaign, they showed the resolve that they didn't have that season. And I actually thought Chelsea were much better valued for this win than a 1-0
1: it was a big win for them. I mean, you've got to look at it like, uh, you know, bearing in mind that if he if lost, then Conte was genuinely yeah. a guy who it wouldn't have surprised if, if today he was gone. Yeah. Because there is some sort of fraught power battle within the club, and he has annoyed the powers that be. I think um, we, we saw, as I say, Chelsea be impressive. Mkhitaryan has got a lot of criticism, Jack. Um, and I, I think... It's harsh because he's been asked to play a role which is just so alien to him. Um, But I do think there is an argument. And and I actually thought this when he was replaced by Martial. I thought, wow, we're going to see Lukaku, Rashford and Martial. I think they've only played together for a very short period this season as a three. We saw that for half an hour, but there was no flowing football. There was nothing. It, It was, as Miguel
2: says, just throwing the ball up to Fellaini and hoping. I think it was certainly one of those moments where the difference between Jose and the other top five, co- top five, big six coaches uh, is most obvious in the sense that they almost always seem to have more, um, more precise, more imaginative, no, more effective anger. plans when it comes to trying to score a goal oh, against a good yeah. defense, which is basically like, you know, the hardest thing to do in football yeah. and therefore the most important. Um and yeah, you're right, like, M- Mkhitaryan, like a lot of clever, creative players in that team, looks a bit wasted. He certainly looks like a player who would be better off playing for one of those other teams,
0: with the possible exception of Arsenal. Well, it's. I was talking to a few people yesterday, and it was raised, like, I mean, can you imagine the frustration of Mkhitaryan, even beyond that system? Like, you see Kevin De Bruyne probably going to be player of the season. Every time he gets on the ball, he has at least three options. Everything There's so much swirling around him, and he can pick out passes. Mkhitaryan gets the ball, and what does he have in front of him? Lukaku is about 30 yards away. Who's touch a suspect anyway? Uh, and I think there is a bigger issue in this game, maybe in, in terms of Lukaku and Murata, um, that we could do a piece on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so I've, I think I have a lot of. You know, I think you know, United fans have been watching, have been complaining about Mkhitaryan's work rate and all that, and how he kind of pulls out. But I think when you're in a situation where everything you do is tankless, that kind of. You see that seep into players' games a lot then. The kinda, there's this futility to it. I
1: think, especially. When you bring on someone like Martial, uh, and, and, and he did nothing. He, re- he really just didn't have an opportunity to do anything because the ball was going long to Lukaku, actually, who I worked out was, must be like 500 minutes now without a goal for Manchester United, which is a concern. D- d- in its d- own.
0: D- d- you know, once again, did, 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 did a piece after the Benfica game. It would have been the second, go- second game without a goal. And so there are worrying signs here. got hammered by United fans. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> what were the signs? D- Not that
1: you're bitter about it. but
0: Well, he could see it in the... Uh, the basically, because the first few games, as we pretty much discussed in this podcast at the start of the season, there was an element of illusion about United because they just cut open against against poor teams or 1-0 down against them. Like Swansea when they were 1-0 yeah. up and then ended up winning 4-0, yeah, I think. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, you see, the, the problem with Lukaku, again, as we've discussed, Mourinho doesn't give his team as much specific attacking direction. So it is up to the players to um, to work it out themselves. And I think Lukaku was still too... He's not a complete enough striker yet to really benefit from that. I think he would have benefited much more from going to Chelsea because Conte would have told him exactly what to do, what runs he needs to make, where he needs to be. Whereas, with, with, you know, he's kind of just floundering now and it's affecting his confidence. Um, he didn't. The, the thing that really surprised me as well is um, they're playing
1: basically two up top with him and Rashford. Mm. And Rashford and him, I don't know how many... Pa- I'd be interested to see how many passes they interchanged because they basically just don't have any... Yeah. They didn't seem to have much chemistry. Yeah, yeah, There didn't seem true. to be much going on between them. Uh, you know, they are a strike partnership. And I think if you're going to be playing a strike partnership, mm. it's important that there is some sort of, of chemistry there, something to work. Otherwise, you might as well not play the big man. You might as well go Martial Rashford, because they have at least shown some sort of semblance of, of communication. Yeah. Whereas at the other end, I know it wasn't necessarily their best game, but I thought Hazard was excellent. And the link with him and Morata, when it gets going... is actually incredibly impressive. We saw it at Letico. That was one of the the big things that took out of it is that when those two link up, Morata's a very intelligent player. And I I did imagine, for the sake of my piece, I imagined what the situation would be if those two players were playing for the opposite clubs, which is what we expected to happen in, say, July. And Morata would, I think, fit probably far better, uh, mainly because he would be able to kind of think about these situations and create his own things, whereas uh, Lukaku didn't really show much invention i think mm. against chelsea
0: yeah, lukaku is more instinctive in that way as, as a striker well also I, mean, I was talking to someone from united last night about all this and they're saying that one of the problems as well is that Mourinho sees lukaku as a target man but if you look at the two at all the wingers they've got pretty much they all have to cut inside and none of them like to actually just get to the byline and cross which is obviously why he so wanted perisic uh, but then again <laughs> at that level you've got to have a bit more Your attacking construct and that and that idea and if and if if that doesn't happen it falls. Same with the fact they've lost Pogba now. It's like it it seems like it's an excuse for. all Mourinho says that he doesn't like to talk about injuries, even though he likes to talk about not talking about injuries all the time. There seems to be this excuse. Oh, we don't have Pogba now. We have to just sit back completely. It's such a. You've got to offer a bit more. It's true. Pogba is an important transitional
1: player because he brings the ball forward Mm -hmm. through the phases, but. I think the, the point about the attacking precision and stuff and, and, and the coaching is Conte is this control freak. We know that like if you uh, are sat where we were sat, uh, Mourinho is sat I- in his dugout, which yeah. is virtually below ground level. So you, you can't actually see that much. Conte's constantly up on the side for the actual goal. Conte was screaming so much at Zappa Costa, mm. uh, who couldn't hear him because of the crowd noise. But he was screaming so much at Zappa Costa that he actually lost it. Like, he got to the point where he couldn't scream anymore. He got his, ass- he gra- dragged his assistant out, his assistant screaming at Zappa Costa. And all they're telling him is, stay wide, stay wide, stay wide. Pointing to the, the touchline, Zappa Costa eventually hears, pulls wide, and it pulls Antonio Valencia probably three yards mm. to his left and just holds his position. Aspeliquet just kind of strolls into that space, swings a crossover. I don't know where the defenders were for the actual. I think Phil Jones gets yeah. caught out. I out think out had
0: about ten yards, like a radius of it. But 10. he's a wonderful
1: header of the ball. Yeah. He's probably the best header of the ball in the league. And 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 I just thought the the fact that Conte is pointing out that tiny little precise movement with such like such anger almost yeah. is something that you never see Mourinho do in attack. Uh, and it's kind of indicative of the problems that yeah. either club are having.
2: Do you think that the this season we're going to see? a handful of very, very good performances from Chelsea rather than anything more consistent like we got last year.
0: It does feel like that, doesn't it? And it was something that Conte said after the uh, the Roma game, or sorry, before the Roma game, we haven't found our consistency this season. And it's true. like, that's that's, I think, one of the kind of for all, for all the debates about where Chelsea are in 2015 16, all that, it's, wh- it's a huge mitigating factor because there have been games where they've been very, very good, but it's almost like the issue is just sustaining it, which would speak to this problem of European football and how it's affected how they kind of prepare for games and that.
2: But do you think, conversely, because they, ha- they won't be able to have the con- consistency to mount a title challenge? they might in fact be able, they might be better off focusing on the Champions League where if they time their good performances yeah. at the right time, there's no we reason they can't win it. It's it, true,
1: yeah. It yeah. feels a bit more like that. If you lack the depth, you're more likely to make a run in knock a knockout competition. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a. I actually, also just a slight addition, I thought um, Anthony Taylor had a pretty poor game as ref. I thought it was pretty bitty.
0: Yeah. Stopped the play a lot. Yeah, in the tw- I think about after about half an hour, United you know, got very, very physical at thought as well. The young goal... But Valencia went in. Was it a challenge? On? Yeah, he smashed him. Yeah, Absolutely
1: yeah. smashed him. No, I thought the own goal as well, where he basically... Decided that a clumsy Phil Jones own goal was too clumsy even for Phil Jones, <laughs> uh, and it, and I, I, on first look I didn't Don't think it. Don't overthink it. Was, it no,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: didn't think it was. And you and you watch Phil it. Phil Jones and, can be that bad. And, and there is a little push right, <laughs> but not, none more than, than usual. And basically Phil Jones smashes it home as well. Like you know he gets a good mm. connection on it. Van it. It was classic Phil Jones, um, who as I say in the end was was caught out for the actual goal. Um, I think we've probably done enough Chelsea United considering. The bigger deal, I, I suppose, is what happened at the Etihad, where Manchester City dismissed Arsenal as, unfortunately, I think most people would have soundly predicted pre-match. The fact that it's becoming so predictable is ominous for everyone do, do, else. Do, do the
0: only issue with that game that there were more mitigating factors for Arsenal than you would have expected, in that they could point to kind of, you know, Wenger was gone, on but Sterling, the supposed dive, then he was gone on the offside goal from David Silva. But yeah, still, unbalanced play, there was... By far the right winner. No, I, yeah, th-
2: th- I mean, on another day, City would have been falling up at half time. But mm. like they kept on getting in that first half. They got in behind so many times. There was the, you know, Aguero missed that chance in the near post that he'd score more often than not. There was the Sterling cross to
0: Sane, which he overhit oh, badly. Yeah. There was good, good, good facial he, expression from Pep after that. Yeah,
2: like oh. I think that yeah, some moments, some decisive moments did go in City's favour, but equally some decisive moments went in Arsenal's favour too. Mm. And on the balance, I, d- I don't think that City were any less dominant than you would expect them to be in that game.
1: I want to see where you two stand on uh, Wenger. He picked Coquelin from the start. Then yeah, His tactical uh, trick. Yeah, they're 2-0 <laughs> <nil> down inside <laughs> half an hour, is it? And then he takes off Coquelin, puts on Lacazette. And they do improve. They do get back in the game. So do we give him the credit for, for righting the wrong, as it were, but when we know that when Cocklin was in the team at the start everyone was kind of asking what on earth is he doing here you were you were at the emirates on thursday night jack uh for that incredible performance against uh, red star so like how does he justify picking cocklin in that game
2: yeah i mean like clearly Cochlan is nowhere near good enough to play for a team that wants to finish in the top 4 like he's just i mean he would look far more at home playing Badly in defence midfield for a team in the relegation.
0: Is he relative to his status, as in he's got a relatively regular position in one of the top six teams? He's the worst player in the league, not, n- yeah. not necessarily the worst player in the league. i <laughs> tweeted
2: that bit, i was tweeted b- before that he is the worst player in the Premier League. <laughs> okay, and, uh, uh, than lots, that, of, right?
0: lots of abuse from Arsenal
2: fans, and yeah, I mean, I am joking, <laughs> but coincidentally, is also what I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like he's just, I mean, he obviously isn't good enough, and th- the problem is that he had remember, he had those few good games when they brought him back from loan about four years ago, John, on, yeah, he's on yeah, line, yeah, which meant that they gave him a new contract, and of course, if they hadn't. Done that, then maybe they would have signed a better it's player. Like
0: when it comes to eventually writing the, the, the entire Venger history, rather, rather than going at the moment, is kind of what feels without what wanting to be disrespectful, what feels a bit of a zombie period in which the club is going on. That that strange game where they won 2 0 at, at City, uh, with Coquelon as the kind of the, the, the absolute linchpin and kind <laughs> of the, the tactical uh, trump card. Uh, like how is that going to be seen? It's just. It's just it's, a, it's a, a, a different
1: i mean but the thing is now is it's such a different city like yeah you can't it's almost you know it's, it's classic vengo probably is still thinking about that game yeah when yeah, he yeah, picks yeah, the yeah. team to play against this manchester city this manchester city as we discussed probably last week might be the first world-class team we've had in the premier league since 2008 man united yeah yeah totally. this is this is a, like a special footballing team and they could come unstuck because you can see where the little cracks are yeah. if, you, if you want to probe at those cracks Left back's gonna be a problem. But
0: it's also why actually more honestly for everyone else, that I think they'll be even better in the third. I mean, when we interviewed Robin, um oh Ian Robin, yeah, as opposed to yeah. the singer Robin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh in the head of Arsenal by Munich. Another great day for for Arsenal, that one. Um, he was going on about how every, just working with Guardiola, every season you just understand more and more and the team got better. He felt the team got better and better despite perceptions, um, although they pretty came close to the Champions League by in that third season. And and because the players just understand where to go more, those cracks will disappear because the movement is so much more fluid. I think that, that could be the case as the season goes on as well and they get more confident in this football. I, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say or getting ahead of ourselves to say they're the best team in Europe right now.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I agree that what Miguel said about Robin has been borne out by the evidence this season in the mm-hmm. sense that City already looked like a completely different team from last year. They're doing things yeah. which you wouldn't have expected uh, to and do. They th- hold their posi- They can interpret sort of complex Guardiola formations much better. Like yesterday, I mean, I was I was at Wembley yesterday. I only watched it on telly, but the C- City to me looked to be playing something vaguely similar to what they played when they won one 0 at Chelsea, which is a kind of three four three with Kyle Walker almost tucking in as a centre back, and then Fabian Delph halfway between midfield and left back. Th- you you wouldn't have expected those. Yeah. Players to be able to play like that. Well, J-
0: J- Johnny did a uh, great piece last night. Uh, Johnny Lew, of course, our, our chief sports writer. Chief is sports writer, is yeah. his role, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the <So> one. <laughs> um, but which you said the, the problem of playing City, if you, if you, whoever has the ball, whichever t- they just give you a range of multiple choice problems, and that's the, it's it really is the, the variety to their play. You don't know, no, no matter who has the ball, there's always so many passing options. As we mentioned earlier with De Bruyne and Mkhitaryan in comparison, but also any player can almost appear anywhere. This is gonna just all these kind of whirlwinds all over the pitch, just, just endless rotation and it makes it so difficult to play against when, when they fully understand it. And they're, <laughs> they're so, it's it's a level of football beyond pretty much anything we've seen in the last 20 years bar the, the other two Guardiola teams. I think
1: um, it's interesting as well, uh, Oli Kaye wrote a good piece in the Times for Saturday, I think it was, where he was you know, basically saying a lot of people, uh, uh, to use the youthful parlance, hating on uh, Guardiola City and Guardiola in particular, you know, People do get very riled. Um, well done for dropping that. People do get very riled uh, when you praise City because they spent a lot mm-hmm. of money. Um, Newsflash: lots of teams have spent lots of money, and they're nowhere near this good.
0: But d- yeah, and I think there's a, there's a problem with that argument as well because it, it takes almost as a starting point as it, it's as if City have spent far more, far more than everyone else. No, they're actually there's there's at least two other clubs that could spend similar today to United and Chelsea. Um, but also,
1: they're, they're spending. Uh, this is the point Ollie made quite well, I thought. Is if you look at who they've spent the money on, there's been a lot of question marks when they've made these yeah, deals. Yeah, yeah. For example, De Bruyne was incredibly expensive mm. for, at the time, and people thought, you know, that's a huge overspend for a, mm. a Chelsea reject. I think uh, the Mirror back page was what a waste of money in huge letters. And you know, he's been proven to be a, uh, probably a bargain if mm. that is possible at that price. Edison. Who on earth would have expected yeah, Edison? Yeah,
0: ba- in fact, when he signed, a lot of them, it's going to be another Gladio Bravo, isn't it? And I know right. he made a mistake the other day, but he's been excellent. You mm. you, you think he's the best keeper in the league, right,
1: Jack?
2: Uh, no, I th- even I think David Aja <laughs> is better than Edison. Uh, but no, I think Edison has been really impressive. It's, I mean, it's very good for City to have a goalkeeper who actually makes saves. I know he, <laughs> he, he, It's he, a novel, isn't it? He, yeah. did, he did screw up yesterday with the Lacazette goal mm. and also the one from Iwobi, which mm. he almost Yeah, which into he got the pushed into the goal. But before then, he did make a good save from Sanchez in the first mm. half when it was still 1-0. Uh, he's big and strong. He's good off his line. His distribution is good, mm.
0: and that's key. Uh, and on that as well, actually, he, he's almost like a striker in the sense that if he makes a mistake, it does like, like the way a striker make, uh, misses a chance. It doesn't affect him. He still kind of just he keeps going uh, yeah, you, mentally you, strong. You're yeah.
2: right that it was a surprise. I mean, I know that even when when City got uh, City paid Benfica 35 million for him, I think, and this was at the time they were negotiating for Walker and mm. Tottenham. Then when City paid that much for him, thought, well, they're willing to spend 35 million on him, then we'll up the price for Walker. Like Tottenham thought it was a bad deal, so clearly there was a lot, there were a lot of eyebrows raised by that. But it has, I think, it looks like it's going to be completely vindicated. And, and
1: that's the point: is that so many of these deals that they've made, eyebrows have been raised. Kyle Walker too much mm. money. Leroy Sané, who is he? He's just, yeah, a, yeah, he's just yeah. a kid from Schalke, or whatever. Sane looks like he could be uh, one yeah. of the best. You mm-hmm. know, he he's he's so smooth, technically brilliant. The, like his movement is so smooth and so intelligent, and he he's obviously been incredibly well mm. coached throughout the, the youth. Uh, he's also
2: really good in the final third. That's the one thing with like young wingers is that you often think, well, they can beat four players, mm. but they can't. Very temperamental, yeah. Yeah, like the goals and assists aren't there, but his. his like his efficiency in the final third is brilliant. It's much better than Sterling, who is younger than. In fact,
0: he's almost getting a trademark finish. Sané, in that he's got a, it's a, that really straight low shot just kind of slipped under the keeper. Well, he's got the sort
1: of Cristiano Ronaldo build, and mm-hmm. I wonder if you know if they can make him anything close to what Cristiano Ronaldo is. It's obviously a completely different sort of player to what they've got in Sterling. But actually, what
0: what age is Sané now? He's twenty one. I I he's know. like twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, he's so, young. Well, Ronaldo was about twenty three when he started to go properly up to another level. I actually. And just, I actually think he's better than Ronaldo was. I mean, that's not to say that he's going to be yeah, as good a course. player as Ronaldo, but Ronaldo he's was... Sané
2: now is more efficient than Ronaldo was at his yeah. age.
0: Ronaldo was really, really frustrating then. It's, it's actually kind of easy to forget that now. No, like
1: but players peak at different ages. Yeah. I mean, you, but you, what you can say about City is City spent, what, 40, 50 million on, on Sané. Again, mm. people raise their eyebrows. But if they have him for the next mm. seven years, eight years, nine years of his prime, it works out as an incredibly cheap deal. Mm. And he does look like he could be that player. So I think it's good... Um, to look back at these deals sometimes and, and mm. appreciate that whoever is in charge of the transfers there, which is, you know, we know is a, a committee of people, really, um, Chiki Bagheera staying at the top of that. Mm. that Whoever's doing the, who's ever identifying these players and, and bringing them in is doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, and that shouldn't be forgotten in all of this, but the city are eight points clear. Uh, the other game on Sunday, which I wanted to touch on was, was Spurs, Jack, because... <laughs>
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: In a week where obviously the Real Madrid game is is going to dominate, it would have been very easy to drop points against Crystal Palace. And and you were there and it wasn't the greatest display, but they still got the three points.
2: Yeah, I mean, e- even putting the Real Madrid game to one side, remember they drew with Swansea and Burnley at home already this season. Um, and then throwing on top of that, the kind of hangover factor from Real Madrid. Um it's very easy to envisage how it could have gone wrong, and they were really poor. Like, this was the worst they have seen Tottenham play in ages, so probably the worst since yeah, since those Burnley and Swansea games at home at the start of the season. They were they were slow. They c- there were so many like overhit passes, you know, things like one twos that didn't come off, bad touches. They all looked a little bit a little bit tired, as they would be after such an exhausting run of games. A bit a bit uh, unfocused, and you know, they had there was no Delhi Alley. Um, so they had to bring in Son. They brought in Danny Rose. They brought in Gazzaniga and Goal. So it all it all felt slightly um, haphazard, and yet they won the game because Heung-Min Son scored a brilliant goal out of nowhere. Excellent finish.
0: He's become one of their most important players in the world. Yeah, like because he's he he a very good player. He does
2: kind of give them Sonny. Does give them like a kind of an extra edge, I think, up front. Yeah. Like he 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 can be frustrating with his finishing, but he's very quick and, and he's good at running in behind. Hmm. He. When his kind of when his luck's in, he can be a good finisher. Mm. If that's a bit that sounds a bit contradictory, um, and yeah, like w- without him yesterday, I don't think they would have scored. He's the most dangerous player. They, they weren't it really it creating it anything him aside. Kane looked tired. Mm. He ran those channels. He ran
1: those channels quite well and kind of stretched Palace at a time when no one else was doing it. Um, I think uh, Palace's problem is obvious: is if Zaha doesn't win them the game, then mm. they can't win a game. Yeah, uh, and it, you know he he probably should have done. He probably could have done. Um, He had that chance where he rounded Gazzaniga and then screwed it wide. And and then you're thinking, if they really can't score with these chances, they're going to get punished for it. Because as strong as the defence looked all day, you're still thinking they're going to cough up one or two chances. I thought it was going to be someone like Urente, but Suns' finish was was excellent. And I think for Spurs, when you're up there and and you're trying to stay up there, and they're a team who I I think people still sleep on as kind of a a gate crasher, Mm. it's important to win the games where you don't actually play that well. And, again, you know, I thought it was I thought it was ripe for an upset because you've got a team who's rested against a team who's had to play against Real Madrid and on Wednesday night. A third choice keeper, it's lots of rotation,
0: but Spurs hold on. on. On a wider point here, I think this is exactly why, and it's become controversial, why Pochettino's uh, view on the League Cup and FA Cup is justified. Uh, I know, you know, unfortunately for him, it's going to be until he has a trophy, it's going it, it, to be beaten yes. over his head yes. until he actually gets one. But ultimately, I think he basically just sees those trophies as—I mean, he's not going to say it outright—but a bit meaningless. And he he wants he wants one of the two bigger prizes, and he realizes because Spurs are already Spurs are already to compete at that level, Spurs are already very stretched to the maximum. So why would you kind of you know distort that then by uh, diverting resources to something that you don't really value?
2: Mm. They uh, effectively have have a 15 man squad. Yeah, like they hardly like Pochettino likes a small squad rather than a big squad. And even then, over the course of Spurs' season, the squad always effectively seems to get smaller mm. because there are players who Pochettino decides, oh, "Actually, I don't fancy you anymore." Yeah. Um, so it's inc- like you say, it's incredibly hard to keep in the two hardest competitions with such a small group of players, mm. and he's only going to make it harder for himself. By yeah. overextending <laughs> himself <laughs> we in, we in we the Carabao Cup.
0: When we were in the press room in Wembley after they got beaten by West Ham, we were actually joking. Did he? Did he skip into the room there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I must say, I think I, I, I think that Tottenham are
2: like at least as likely to win the Champions League as they are to win the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. But City well, well, they're not likely to win the Premier League. Well, because well, City yeah. are going to get 100 points. Yeah, yeah, Or 95 points. Do you think and City
0: t- could break Mourinho's record?
2: I think yeah. Well, I think City mm. will get into the 90s and Tottenham mm. won't get into the 90s. But I think that. In a knockout competition, like Tottenham are, yeah. Tottenham are good enough to win the Champions League. And I actually think City would really not like to get Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've got, Pochettino's got a really good record against Guardiola. They're one of the few teams who can outrun City. Yeah. They've got a magical player in Kane who can, you know, can settle yeah. a game from 30 yards out of nowhere. And I I don't know, they kind of have this, um I think that. There's I, a sneaky I, pot I, pet yeah, I can yeah. see. I can see them going surprising. I mean, th- they will eventually tail off in the prem, but I can see them going all the way but in we, the we, Champions League. We are going to
0: have a. Lot, it looks like we're going to have a lot of all English ties. Yeah. Four, yeah, I mean, I, w- at some point, yeah,
2: we we could easily have four or five English group winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine yeah.
0: Man United, Man City well, a like, final in the I Champions well, League? Oh. I was literally <laughs> thinking about as, as I came off the escalator <laughs> that how it could come down. And actually, and again, just because of the nature of Champions League, and also because of the nature of Mourinho's football in knockout games. I think they've got, uh, similarly, yeah, they've got yeah. a much better chance of winning the Champions League. I, I wouldn't, I don't think United win the league and not have a chance now, but <laughs> I wouldn't. I it would wouldn't be a g-
1: stonker, that. And also, um, Ken Early, who is obviously a good friend of yours, mm. said earlier on today that... That was a good tweet. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I, I thought that. that yeah. The Guardiola-Mourinho rivalry feels a bit like England-Germany where only one yeah, side yeah. cares well, about it. It
0: was once relevant and gradually yeah. it's because, yeah.
1: And, and, and there is sort of a feeling that kind of, you know, Pep probably doesn't care that much anymore, yeah. you know. Does he feel that? threatened by Mourinho
2: and United, whereas uh, you feel I imagine like, that Pochettino's got more under Pep's skin. Yeah. I think for sure,
1: yeah. Well, the, Harry, the Harry Kane the team. The Harry Kane, was, Kane it was stuff, to, yeah. yeah.
0: There
1: mm. was something simmering under there. I think mm. you both said that you'd sensed before that there was a bit of neutral yeah. disdain, there, and it's just kind of come to...
0: Well, I remember the first time they met in England last October... Um, it uh, was actually when with, with the first time that the City's season, when the City's first season went off the rails a, a little bit, they winning rooms for any broken Spurs, beat them 2-0. But before that game, we were in, we do had a Patches press conference. Um, so we did a Sunday's bit afterwards, and like, the Sunday's bits are always smaller, obviously, because there was only three or four of us there. And because I was doing research, I had on my laptop a picture of the first time... Uh, Potsch and Pep met as managers, which is around 2009. And they're both in the camp now doing a photo shoot, both with the held up the jerseys, and the two, are they there we look much younger. And we showed it to, uh, to Potsch, and he was a bit... <laughs> he was having banter about other aspects of when he was a Spaniard manager. But not so much about that. No, he's not enjoying <laughs> getting filleted every week by uh, <laughs> by Pep's Barcelona.
1: I think um, the other thing to, to note with the way that, that Spurs are going is they've got the Champions League qualification done mm-hmm. now, and they're probably mm-hmm. going to win that group. Uh, which doesn't necessarily even mean an easier draw these days, does no, it? Because well, who's going to be... Sec- you've got two good teams in every group, virtually.
0: Well, who's going to be second-place teams? Now. Likely Bayern, likely Real Madrid, you know Spurs can't get them. Likely Juventus. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not exactly the blessing
1: that mm. you might have thought it was, but it's interesting to see them go deep because this is a team where we kind of felt like they were going to be nearly men, sort of. Mm. Yeah, and, and at some point, we're going to have to appreciate this is part of the top four and it's like I did say this after the the Chelsea United result, there is a gap now. Arsenal, Liverpool, and someone else are on. Is it Burnley? Are on <laughs> like uh, nineteen? And I think yeah, it's, it's a four, point it's, actually, a four yeah. point. it's a four point gap to to the others on 23. Yeah. 23, 23, 23 I think Liverpool know.
0: could close that though. I I, I sti- I've had this feeling for a while, but I think United could Liverpool could get into a situation like last season.
1: Liverpool are so flawed as a team now. Obviously, it's great to come up against West Ham hmm. because. Like but
0: the, the, the one thing I would say with Liverpool is Mane makes such a massive deal, especially when they have Mane and Salah. Mane and time. Salah, are phenomenal. because e- even if the defense is still to suspect, the very fact of having Mane there, means you always have to think about him, which means mm. the oppositions all they can't go forward as much they, as much as they want because that would just leave space for Mane.
1: The Salah and, and Firmino and Mane as a front three, I think, are brilliant. And, and they help you defensively because people don't test you as much. In the same way that Man City's kind of left back issue hasn't really been tested yeah. by anyone yet because no one's good enough to actually yeah. keep them on the back foot. But playing against West Ham is like walking through an open door at the moment. Uh, we think David Moyes is going to come in I think there. It's almost certain, to be honest. Almost certain.
0: Hello, I, I was on BBC SO, Phil Neville, and he basically outright said he will not be Moyes' assistant. He wants to be number one. Pinev. Pinev
1: out. P-Nev, yeah. I don't, I mean, I think Phil Neville might. I've got a feeling that he might. Leave coaching behind uh, after you know I, I get the impression he didn't really enjoy Valencia or
0: he wants to be a, a normal manager. He said.
1: Yeah, I know, but I don't think anyone's gonna hire him. I think he's a nice guy. I, I I think he's a really nice guy. Like uh, as I say, it's just it hasn't necessarily worked that that well for him so far. I think the Man United. He's, far, hap- he's uh,
0: happier than Gary, isn't he? He just seems like he's
1: nice. <laughs> I'm gonna. Have, I, I I'm not gonna say what I, I, I want to <laughs> say. Uh, I'll do that off air, but <laughs> I think I, I, I think he's um, a really nice guy. But if I mean, this would have been an interesting job for him because mm. the problem was at uh, Valencia, like it, it, he was working with his brother, mm. which is obviously a weird thing. And then uh, the club was a complete disaster, complete disaster. So neither of them had a chance. Neither of them had a chance <laughs> at Everton. Uh, sorry, at uh, United, he was part of the post-Fergie <laughs> disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so he's never actually had a a real crack at anything. Fairly, yeah, maybe at West Ham. Maybe at West Ham would have been the best opportunity yeah. for him, but I, I just don't see where at the moment he's going to get the chance. Maybe you know, with Allardyce at Everton, if that happens, you yeah. know, that him and Craig Shakespeare as assistants or something, it would work. But Shaky. what do we what do we think about Moyes? Because I I, I understand West it's gonna going to be a short term deal. Right? If they
0: appoint them, I think West Ham are going down. You think they are? Yeah, I've heard basically that Moyes now is determined to. He realises this could be a last chance. That like the last two jobs, or last three jobs, were really because he smashed yeah, his reputation. Yeah. So yeah. We, I think there's a bit. There'll be a bit of fire about him again. Um, I think West Ham are banking on that in terms of they can both mutually re-energise each other. But and then part ways in the summer, do we think? I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, he, surely he can only be a guy for to, to try and keep them up hmm. rather than long term. It's that so The one p- thing they do need the most is organisation basically yeah. ahead of anything else like the, play- the players are not disastrously bad the players are fine um but yeah they need Slavon Bilic is not exactly Mr Organi- Mister mm. organisation they just need someone to kind of sort them out briefly and give them a bit of medicine
1: i think the squad as ever is is overpaid and bloated with west ham yeah. but but it is fine it's it's of a standard that shouldn't be going down yeah exactly and, yeah. and you're right some organisation uh, would make all the difference but it's one of those things where I think it's, it's wise to get him until the end of the season if you think he's good enough to keep you up, that yeah. is. Because in the summer, you can hire someone half decent. But yeah. unless you're in the lucky situation Liverpool Liverpool in a couple of years ago where Jurgen Klopp happens to be on a sabbatical, yeah, you don't yeah. get good managers at this time of year because they're not out of jobs. Mm. The only exception would be Thomas Tuchel, who presumably has laughed them out of the Yeah, yeah. The room. So they're
2: going to have to come out and feel feel get, I think that West Ham's reputation is such that I don't think they could get a good manager I mean, yeah. on paper, they should be able to get someone good because they play in the Premier League in London and in, a massive fortune in, yeah, in a yeah. massive stadium, and overpay as a matter of course. However, I think that, or I, I know that lots of lots of managers in English football, or sorry, in European mm. football, don't particularly want to work with them because they know the reputation of David Sullivan and David Gold. You know, I know for example, when they were informally meeting managers last year, before the um, before when they were considering slacking Mm. Salvan Bilic at Mm -hmm. the end of last season, they had informal meetings with David Wagner and Marco Silva. And the person in those meetings who asked the most questions was Jack Sullivan.
0: Right. uh, (laughs) Uh, I'm quite quite intrigued, actually, to have the the meeting between the the West Ham owners and David Wagner. Different personalities. Jurgen Klopp also warned David Wagner against taking the job.
1: The the, the other thing
0: I think is interesting with
1: those guys is is how Sullivan and God will shamelessly take the credit for every good signing that <laughs> yeah. happens, and 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 then when there's a bad one, they just wash their hands of yeah. it. It's <laughs> like it, it's it, it's comical, really. Um, but yeah, I think you know he's, he'll organise that team whether he keeps because it because that Sunderland team was so bad. But you wonder if I think Sunderland as a club was more screwed than West Ham. Yeah. I, I don't get the impression that they're completely but dead
0: the, the one thing about this is if he, if and where we were expecting to get the job what's what i think is going to be very interesting is the immediate atmosphere and attitude that Moyes takes because one of the huge problems is something basically he went into a job and fair enough he was absolutely correct in saying yeah we're in a relegation battle and playing everything down because things were that bad but just immediately like it <laughs> just added to the, to the doom of it all right well this is done yeah, yeah and no, and situations where he, yeah.
2: he, he by being realistic and honest, he actually <laughs> yeah. made things worse for himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes in man- in management and and in life, you need to be unrealistic and yeah. kind of bolshy and yeah. brash. And Moisey is none of those things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you. By seeing things clearly and describing them as he saw them, <laughs> he actually <laughs> made the situation much worse <laughs> for himself. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's why I always tell Miguel that his work is excellent. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. well,
1: <laughs> <'cause, you> know, <laughs> um, if anything, playing it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that is uh, enough Premier League talk. Next week, uh, we've obviously got international break. Miguel, you won't be here
2: next Monday, I'll you? be
0: um, in Copenhagen on. on Saturday for the Irish game, and then in Dublin on Monday for the Tuesday like Plucky Minnows Island. I'll be
2: in Basel for
0: Switzerland Northern Ireland. Oh, it it's, sounds, like, it it, I, it's actually an international break. I'm quite excited by. I have to Say,
1: well, this is this is. I mean, the problem is that all we do is, is mercilessly criticise the international break because it's rubbish. But this is the <laughs> one every couple this of years yeah. is actually good because this is one with actual yeah, World were, Cup qualification well, on the actually, line.
0: It's, it's, it almost feels like you know, apologies to. Um, taking all all golf fans listening to golf, <laughs> as as a kind of a fair weather golf fan it's almost one of those things like you could, it's when there's a when there's a major you kind of endure the first three days and all right you know we, we we've invested all this time in it this, we're la- all all these shots mean something now and it feels like that would be a bit like the uh, the international qualifiers you've gone through all the kind of the set up games and now finally we've got this, this is where all the consequences. There's only this so many times you watch Spain beat Lichtenstein 13-0. Yeah, nil. yeah. Yes. But
1: no, this this is the good bit. Uh, mm. I know England have got some glamour friendlies against Germany and Brazil, but those really aren't that interesting compared to Ireland-Denmark or, mm. or Switzerland-Northern Ireland where you're going to see the hopes and dreams well, of one nation crushed, and yeah, the other, th- you know the excitement that's of exactly getting yeah. to play in a World Cup, and, and
0: you, you could see it, especially in the last round of internationals, when uh, especially in South America. But that that's what it comes at. No matter for all the debates about the quality of the football compared to the club game, it's the club game can rarely match the the emotion of these matches and kind of the, the stakes and the line, like and even like okay. For someone knows, you can hear from the accent, obviously. Uh, for Ireland, we haven't qualified for World Cup since 2002. All right, we've got to the, two Euro- the last two Euros.
1: There's a good That's book about the 2002 World Cup with Ireland. I more, believe.
0: Well, more so actually about Ireland's qualification years, about <laughs> 1986 to uh, 2002, Stuttgart, Saipan, It's called by someone close to home here. Yeah, good, right, good, right. good.
1: Thanks. Nice. So. Yeah. Um, Enjoy your trip. Uh, nice. Be good. I would just like to thank uh, the, whoever it was, uh, by the way, because we don't actually know who did this, uh, who nominated us for the Football Sports Federation Award, for which we are nominated, as I mentioned at the top of the show. You can uh, go online and vote. Now we're we're very likely that? we're likely to not win the vote because. Um, other people have mounted cynical publicity yeah, campaigns yeah. to try. Don't and
2: worry. I've set up a bot to vote for us over and over <laughs> and over God again. we well, millions right. of votes. I, actually,
1: <laughs> I emailed Donald Trump to try and get hold of some of those Russian bots um, to win us this
0: vote, but hmm. he hasn't replied as of yet. Apparently, he's busy. Um, we, we, we are actually, we uh, say the Pacino spurs up against the kind of the Guardian type. Uh, we're plucking outsiders, uh, <laughs> but we're they, still they,
1: mainstream they, compa- there's a, There's a couple on there which are, the are, big, are independent.
0: Big, big spending Guardian.
1: Yes, well, you know, and, and the Guardian Football Weekly Light, whatever it's called now. Um, so both of those are probably going to beat us for votes. <laughs> Why are you laughing so much? <laughs> They're going to beat us for votes. But we'd like to thank you all for listening um, and whoever nominated us yeah. and whoever might go to find the website now and vote for it. I mean, I probably should have prepared with an actual URL. Um, but in the um, meantime... also just vote sure. for Jonathan
2: Liu. Oh, That's yeah. yeah. Uh, Johnny,
1: uh, who you obviously hear on here, on a regular basis is up for writer of the year because um, he's one of the best writers there is. So if you can vote for either of us, that'd be great. If you could subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes as ever, we're very thankful. Uh, so from award-nominated producer Matt Murphy, award-nominated chief football writer Miguel Delaney, from award-nominated uh, man about London town, Jack Pitbrook, and from award-nominated me, uh, goodbye. Goodbye.